This episode of Hit the Lights is brought to you in partnership with Sparks. Sparks is the only magazine for UK electrical students and apprentices and also helps support the next generation through annual competitions such as Sparks Learner of the Year and new for 2023 Sparks Female Skills Competition. Check out Sparks' Instagram at Sparks Magazine UK to learn more and for a one-stop page for all news, memes and more from the electrical industry. Welcome to another edition of Hit the Lights podcast. We're stepping slightly out of the electrical zone today, um, although still obviously related, but we're going to be looking at the world of recruitment. I have Paul Gibbons with me today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for the invite. Would you mind just telling people, uh, the listeners, a little bit about yourself, uh, who you are, where you come from and what you do? Yeah, so... uh... Hello, everybody. I'm uh, Paul Gibbons, and I'm the National Specialism Director for Engineering for Hayes Recruitment. Um, Obviously, we're a large entity, but I particularly just look after the technical and engineering sector. Um, Been in recruitment for about 18 years now. Um, Previous to recruitment, I was in the Marines, came out of the Marines and then decided that I was going to venture into something different uh, and found myself in recruitment. So, um, a large majority of my career um, has been both uh, as a consultant, but also over the last number of years, obviously now more in an operational role and, and delivering strategy for the business. So, uh, so yeah, very much uh, passionate about engineering, passionate about STEM, supporting our future talent as well, and uh, making sure that we can provide some insight, hopefully today, on kind of what, what's happening in the market, um, and everything else that's going on in this crazy time that we're in. Did, did uh, during your time in the Marines, did you touch on any engineering? Were you led in uh, in a STEM manner to towards any of those? Um, well, to be honest, in my career, um, and it's always one of those things. I think my career, if I look back at it now, I probably would have been an engineer. Um, but at the time, I don't don't know whether anybody else has, has ever felt it, but certainly the careers uh advisors in in my previous well, in school when i was there wasn't the best it was either do you want to be a, a policeman a fireman doctor nurse um and that's it really um and I, to be honest i didn't understand what an engineer did back it back then you know at 14 you you kind of just think that a mechanical fitter is a mechanic you know that's all you know mm. so i think if i was to look back at it now i probably would have gone into engineering um I was only in the Marines for a very short time. Um, so no, it wasn't, you know, would would where would I have gone? I think I probably would have gone to weapons engineering, I think it'd probably be where I would have gone to. Um, but no, it was it was very much a case of joining the joining the Marines for at the time when I joined, there was nothing really happening. The Gulf War had just finished. Um so to be honest, it was more of a case of go and see the world as opposed to actually having to fight and think suddenly the, the world changed quite dramatically over the last number of years that when you join and the chances are that you are going to be at the forefront so I was quite lucky when it comes down to that and to be honest it wasn't for me and, and found a found a career generally sat behind a laptop and supporting others and in their careers is where mm-hmm. I found myself so so yeah. 
How did you end up with recruitment then? What led you down that path? Um, I think it's, for for me, I think most people will say when they go into recruitment, they kind of fell into it. Um, I wouldn't say I fell into it. I was always interested. So I'm kind of one of those, you know, real geeks that likes to watch inside the factory and and watches how power stations are, are built and and everything else and that was a real interest to me so I don't think I would have been in recruitment if I'd you know gone into something that didn't excite me you know there's so many different avenues in recruitment from HR to to financial services and and they do a fantastic job but for me it was doing something that interests me um and that's why I kind of went into recruitment but specifically went into technical and engineering it kind of gave you it gave you an insight into what the um, industries like the environment that they're working in as well and gives you a true understanding that you know it's not sat there all you know all clean and you know with your overalls on actually it can be quite dirty work and you're working in really kind of difficult conditions at the best of time so it just really excited me and having that opportunity as a how old was I now probably about 20 21 22 um, to even go and see nuclear power stations and be involved in you know weapons and submarines and things like that it was just really excited me so that's hence the reason why i've never ventured out of uh, technical engineering whatsoever all right no yeah no definitely you give, you're getting your buzz um, <laughs> yeah that's it, that's it. <laughs> um so uh, in terms of your many years then going through the um the engineering sector what are some of the what's some one of the key points that you've learned along the way then I think the key th- key points that I've learned along the way is that, um, you know, we, we talk about the skills gap and obviously, you know, I, w- I really want to touch on that about what we're seeing in the skill shortages. But there's always been a skills gap um, and there's always been huge projects that are going on. Um, and I think as a, as a in recruitment, you know, I think it's seen, I think there's a saying, isn't there, that we're only second to estate agents is is the saying in uh, in recruitment. It's <laughs> not um, what I've heard. Yeah. I would have said I would have said parking attendance personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um but, but I think I think the, the key thing for me was that it's about building relationships. You know, I've got some fantastic, you know, candidates that I've worked with for many years as as what I'd probably class as their recruitment partner really, you know. What steps are they wanting to take? How can we help them with their career? You know, what what do other people have that they don't have that means it's stopping them kind of climbing up that that kind of career ladder? But I think it boils down to to communications. You know, the one key thing that I always always swore by was look after your candidates. Um, you know, being able to be in a position where you can offer continuity, especially in the contracting world. Uh, of having a you know a bunch of brilliant contractors who will drop at, you know at a moment's notice to go and work on Fiddler's Ferry or um, SO Forley or whatever, um, that can only be achieved from having good relationships with your with your contractors and candidates and and making sure you're putting them in an environment that they know. Um, you know I've heard of terrible stories of contractors turning up and the projects being pulled last minute. Um, and yeah, that does happen. But with effective planning and having the right clients and the right relationships, that that really shouldn't happen. Um, so I think it's about it's not a one way. You know, it's not a case of suddenly we've got work on and we need you. 
it's very much a case of how we built up that relationship over that time so that a contractor who may be finishing in a week's time has got security with their family and paying the bills and paying the mortgages and things like that and can really be you know you can be kind of rested upon that you're going to look after them and and, and make sure that they're in employment um yeah. whether that is in permanent or you know a lucrative contract or some a, a long-term contract that can really be a benefit to the contractor um because i think sometimes it's it's all a case of bringing the jobs in in recruitment now you know there's jobs there's, there's so many jobs out there that you know there's record numbers of jobs and record numbers of people um employed so it's about making sure that you get that balance and making sure you work with your contractors and 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 support them um uh, and with any candidates and, and making sure they have a good experience so that's kind of the key thing for me uh, absolutely 100 percent is making sure we look after our people mm. you touched on it very briefly there with the, the skills shortage then how, how yeah. have you how have you witnessed the skills shortage how has it manifested itself within within your industry yeah i think um obviously technical and engineering as i said before there's always been a you know a, a scrap for talent you know good contractors good candidates are, are hard to come by and that's always been the case but i think you know years ago when we look back at it um a large proportion of the clients had a bit more kind of kudos to it in that if they were winning major projects they were able to kind of sell on that fact and would auto populate some of their kind of their own recruitment i think now it's very much a case of people are a bit more um you know they want flexible working they want security they want a number of other things now um but if you you know to boil it down in regards to the skill shortage hugely you know exacerbated itself beyond what i thought was possible you know i was kind of writing a blog the other day and you know one of the key things was that you know we look at aging workforce you know i've got contractors and, and candidates who I've worked with for many years that have decided to take retirement. I think the stat at the moment is they think that 20% of the current engineering workforce will retire by 2026. When you look at that as the, the number, it's astonishing. But then when you allow for, you know, Brexit, what's happened with Brexit, what, you know, and, you know, workers, and I think they've seen an 11% reduction in workforces across the board simply from Brexit. Um, so the, the skill shortage for me is, it's been exacerbated by so many different things. I think COVID, um, has meant that early retirement has probably taken more of a precedence where people don't want to have restrictions when they're working on sites and, you know, God, I can't be bothered with this. I'm going to take early retirement. But I think secondly is. You know, it's something that I'm really passionate about, about supporting STEM, but I don't think we've done enough to bring STEM through. I think Levy has certainly gone some way to support in apprenticeships, but, you know, you look at you look at some apprenticeship opportunities at the moment, and they've maybe got 5, 10, 15 people that they're taking on a year as apprenticeships when you know, we're talking about, I think the stat at the moment that we were looking at is about 1.86 million engineers short of where we need to be by 2026 mm. and that's quite astonishing um so there's a whole matter of factors that have caused this this skill shortage 
Um, and now we've got to a position where, you know, we talk about salaries. I was looking at stats the other day that, um, you know, electrical engineers have gone up by 15% in a year in salaries. Um, but the demand for people has just continued to grow. Um, so, yeah, it's it's been a, you know, and, and also, you know, God forbid, you know, you, you mentioned IR35 and the impact that that's had on mm. the industry. You know, a recent stat I was looking at the other day was saying that they think that um, 10% of the workforce, it's reduced by 10% just this year alone with people moving out of being a contractor. And, and where they've gone, you know, have they gone perm? Have they gone direct? Have they gone overseas? It's hard to, to kind of quantify, but I think um, the impact of IR35, I think it was underestimated as to what effect that would have on on skill sets. And I mm. think by having that having that balance is is so, so important. And, you know, one of the key things now, obviously we've seen the press release this morning of uh, looking to, kind of remove the the RI, uh, IR35 policies that were put in place back in 2017 and given the ability to contractors to determine their own um, tax and, and liabilities and everything else is that I think it's the right step forward. I think having the right balance of, of contract workers and, and having the right balance of perm workers should have a positive effect on the industry, but it's not going to happen overnight in my opinion. Mm. In my experience, there's always been a, uh, let's say, an inner war when you're on a project between agency and permanent workers and that the the agency workers are somehow getting extra benefits that the permanent workers just aren't getting. And obviously, when you take into account everything that it costs to employ you, obviously, these they probably add up to the almost the exact same fee. So. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's always that. I think it's understanding, isn't it? I think when you've got somebody who's in a perm and they're working, you know, right next to a to a contractor, the first initial thing you look at is the rate of pay and people do talk and everything else. And, and that's, you know, that's right. But you have to consider the fact that contractors don't have all the additional benefits. They don't have the flexibility of work. They could be relocated. They could be working away from home for six, nine months of the year um, and everything else that comes with it from being a permanent employer. So the majority, if you look at it now, you know, when you take into account pensions and national insurance and everything else, the the rates are are probably a comparator anyway. Um, But again, you look at the number, you don't look at the concept behind it and and the kind of uh, the difference. There is a huge difference. so it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think it's a it's a positive step forward if that's the case. But the one thing I would I would always say is that, you know, what from what's happening with IL thirty five now, I think the key thing really is, you know, and the advice I'd probably give to your listeners as well is make sure you're compliant. And what I mean by that is making sure you're working with uh, a business. One thing we pride ourselves is our high compliancy you know sometimes we won't we unfortunately won't be able to pay a contractor the way they want because it can't be done for, for various reasons but i think you know I've, I've been in in positions where you know shocking ones where you know you've got you've got contractors who are doing their work and 
you know, you've been asked to kind of support them and realise that they haven't got relevant contracts in place. They haven't got any contracts in place. They may be on an employment status contract, which puts them at risk. Um, there's been huge amounts of uh, exposure that I've had over the years, but I think IR35, I think the key thing is, and the one thing I'm hearing now is IR35 is finished. It hasn't finished. It's been here since 2000. It's just how it's orchestrated and the responsibilities and where they sit. So people have just got to make sure that they're, they're compliant and they're working with compliant businesses, compliant recruitment businesses as well, to ensure that they're protecting themselves and the clients is probably the biggest advice I would give. Um, you know, it, it, I think when it when it was released, you know, there was that kind of people just didn't understand it. You know, people didn't understand the effect that it had on them. And I, I think, again, it was underestimated as to the effect it would have on the engineering sector and construction sectors where people suddenly had a change of heart and, and didn't suddenly want to go perm. They looked yeah. at other alternative options. So, so, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens over the coming week. I think it's April next year where potentially they're looking at going back on the idea. So we'll see. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think it will promote a lot of engineers probably back into various sectors that ha- had stepped away I, I would probably hesitate i guess that most of them have probably just gone permanent because when you look at being inside ir35 but with none of the benefits yeah. um it, it just seems like a no-brainer well might as well just go inside and get the benefits as well so uh, yeah. hopefully we'll, we'll see a return to more working outside but Obviously, like you say, compliance is is the key thing there when doing your taxes. So a good accountant yeah. is key. <laughs> yeah, good good accountants. Yeah, good accountants. A good good consultant and a good reputable recruitment business will certainly go to a way of of giving you that protection that you need because you know you, it it's not kind of unheard of that there is some you know recruitment professionals, recruitment businesses out there that you know it might seem a, a written it down here it might seem sometimes that that job is perfect and it's really valuable and the rates are really high and everything else but it's take a minute really and and see what that has an effect on your future when you're doing your tax returns is that business going to be there to to kind of help you and support you in time of need and you know chances are they might might be there or they might not be so just be careful is probably what i would say no, definitely. So one of the things, obviously, like you're saying, with um, the skill shortage itself, how, how do you go about assessing the uh, competency of an engineer for said role? Yeah, uh, I've been asked this question a number of times, generally by clients to make sure that we're, we're sending over the right people. Um, I think for generally across the business, I'm quite lucky in my business that I've got ex-engineers that I've now decided to put the tools down and work in recruitment. So that kind of is really helpful when you've got contractors in a similar similar yeah. industry and, and they've got someone who's reputable and, and can advise it. That's that, the 10, biggest, that, that's that 10% that's gone missing. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So, um, but now I'm quite lucky in that regard. But generally, I would say that um, most recruitment consultants aren't engineers. Um, our kind of balance is to make sure that we understand what the client wants and make sure that we understand what the, the candidate wants. And I suppose the magic happens is when you merge those two together. Um, you know, for, for us, 
as a business, we really focus on SWEP. I don't know whether you've heard of, of SWEPing before. So it's basically SQEP, uh, yeah. suitably qualified experienced personnel. So what we can't do as a as a recruitment business is hold technical interviews. You know, we don't understand it to the nth degree in regards to, you know, certain things that are going to be required for it. The one thing that we can do is make sure that when a candidate is submitted for a job that they match the job profile and what we mean by that is swapping includes us making sure that we've got indentures for the contractors making sure that they've uh, got relevant experiences um, make sure that you know that they again feel comfortable in the environment that they're moving to so our job is to really have a conversation you know we do what are called uh, internal interviews with with all of our contractors before before we put them out to work and yes it boils down to competency that's the that's a, the true part of it but also we recruit on behaviors you know it's about recruiting somebody if you've got a you know you recruiter for a job and and actually you've got to be really client or, or client focused you need to have the relevant behaviors as well to to be able to fulfill that so from a competency point of view, it's it's more a case of really understanding detailed projects, what what contracts have they worked on, have they done that work before, can they provide case studies? Um, you know, most of the engineers will have case studies as long as as long as anything, but we kind of work together to make sure that we can kind of diarise that for them and and really put them in in the right position with the clients. You know, I've seen CVs over the years where the kind of 10 15 pages long and actually with advice you can break it down to probably two pages i always say your cv should be on two two pages really the other stuff the older stuff that's past kind of 10 years yes you can talk about that and, and provide experiences but the client really wants to see what you've done over the last three to four years what what projects you've been involved on um that's what they want to see and what qualifications you've gained over that period um so you know ass assessing competency certainly we're not engineers the one thing i would state is that especially in my business if you look at recruitment in general that the what you know if you, recruitment could be anything from recruiting administration through to kind of procurement and supply chain engineers technical it wherever it can be and i think in some areas you can be what's called a generalist uh, recruiter so you could be filling all sorts of jobs I think in, in technical and engineering it's about making sure that you build specialism internally within your business so what we mean by that is not only are we specialists or build specialism in industry we also build specialism in discipline so for instance if you were to phone us up and say oh yeah I'm, you know I'm an electrical engineer I've worked in the oil and gas market uh, I'm now looking for the next move that you'd be speaking to somebody who is constantly dealing with similar people, similar qualifications across, you know, a multitude of different industries. But in that instance, they'll be able to provide you with information as well. You know, our job is, yes, finding people, but we also know a lot about what's happening in the industry. We know who's busy. We know what projects are being won. We have a lot of contacts within those businesses. So by us pairing them up together, it works really well, but having specialism within it, within engineering is is so key. You know, I I kind of built my career in in the nuclear industry. Um, you know, 
security clearances, SCDV clearances, BC plus, but fulfilling everything from a you know an electrical engineer through to a mechanical fitter, valve technician, actuation technician. But I was a specialist in those areas. So I think once you know a candidate is speaking to those people, they can understand where we're coming from and understand that actually we know what we're talking about. Yes, we're not an engineer. The technical interviews will be done by the client, but at least you've got a good overview of what that industry is like and, and the people that are supporting you, I think is really, really key. Mm, no, definitely. Have you, you kind of touched on it slightly earlier with the with the cost of living crisis that we've got at the moment and rates influxing. Are, are we seeing a, a slow increase in, in rates reflecting what's happening in the wider world? Yeah, I think... The rates themselves, um, both salaries and hourly rates, have, have certainly increased over the last year as being exponential. Uh, you know, electrical engineers, you're probably looking anywhere between 11 to 15% increase. Um, you know, you're looking at certain skill sets at the moment that have got up to kind of 21, 22% increases. It's just simply become from, from the demand for talent. You know, some of the clients that we will speak to will be looking for 300 to 600 contractors. You know, it's that that much. And and without having the right people working those jobs, unfortunately, those projects become delayed and, and cost them a significant amount more money. So the cost of living, yeah, we've seen on average, we've seen the majority of engineering businesses and, uh, and technical businesses increase their salaries. You know, roughly around about the three and a half to five percent increases. Um, but again, cost of living and, and the increases, people are kind of, you know, got to be looking after themselves. And, and what that's meant is that we have seen quite a lot of um, uncertainty. We've seen quite a lot of movement this year um, where people are, you know, certain industries when we when we went into COVID um, certainly got affected more than others. So I think there's that kind of am I am I in the right industry? Do I need to move over into more kind of buoyant industries and more kind of uh, shall we say uh, recession-proof industries? We've certainly seen a lot of people moving over into the green energy, so renewables, alternative energies. Um, so there's been a huge, huge amount of movement in in the labour pool and. And that's constituted to salaries uh, and and that hourly rate increasing along with demand. Um, be interesting what happens if we do go into a recession, uh, which looks that way now. Um, I did I did see some an article the other day. I think it was whether it was the Bank of England. Um, obviously, by the time this come out, it might be well outdated, and we're probably well into a recession. But um, <laughs> <laughs> um, that we are already, in fact, in one. But um, yeah um it, it's interesting times that we doesn't seem to be decisive uh, as, as a point in time yeah and i think i think what we we are starting to see now is is a a recession effect but what we're not seeing at the moment is it affect jobs which is really strange because normally if we go into a recession it's normally um low employment uh, sorry high unemployment um and low jobs and that's certainly not the case at the moment. You know, our jobs are, you know, we've seen a 220% increase in jobs just in the last two months. Mm. You know, so it's it's a strange one in that there's a huge demand for people. There's a huge demand for jobs. Um, there's still businesses heavily invested in growth. There's major projects happening. 
you know, brilliant to see that Sizewell C uh, had official sign-off. You know, Hinkley C is is absolutely huge at the moment, but there's projects absolutely everywhere at the moment, you know, infrastructure projects, highways, rail. Um, it doesn't seem to be slowing down, um, which is strange. So um, fingers crossed that's the way it stays and and we can uh, we can obviously make sure that um, everyone benefits from it because I think employment at the moment is the lowest it's ever been from an employment point, uh, unemployment point of view. Mm. Yeah, I did see in the in the government budget that they were looking at uh, repealing some aspects of universal credit, obviously yeah. pu- pushing pe- more people in, into employment. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure it's going to create a, an even busier time for yourself. Possibly. So what's, what's some of the things that uh, as an engineer, if I, I was to come to you, um, I've got a absolutely rubbish CV. Um, but I've got all the, the necessary history and skills, but I'm just not presenting myself. So if I gave you that CV, what's some of the tips and tricks that you can offer to help get myself noticed? I would always say, that, like I said before, two two pages, three pages max, I think it is the key. Um, I'm always a stickler for making sure that you've got your qualifications at the top. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, engineers have generally got qualifications through the roof when it you know but even when you're starting to look at inductions if you performed inductions on a site before um ccnsgs scratch cards whatever it may be um but i would always say make sure that your qualifications at the near the top because i think the first thing that a client's going to look at is job title is it relevant qualifications are they relevant and then the third part that they'll then start to look at is what industries you've you've worked in, is there synergy in the industries that you've worked in before? I think most engineers, you know, from CVs that I see, probably don't populate their um the job that they were performing on that project. So mm. they might put, you know, electrical engineer on SO Forley or, you know, wherever it may be. They don't actually break down as to what project they were doing what they were involved in, what projects, what was the duration. So I think just being really clear on the job that you performed in that project. And then secondly, I would say, you know, a bit of a synopsis on what you do, how you operate. You know, I think that's really important too. So there's not a one, you know, one fits all solution to a template. I think there's a lot of businesses out there that do CV templates and, you know, have the all singing, all dancing CV. I've seen CVs that are probably better than mine and yours and all the listeners put together. Um, but it's that it's that collaboration between being put in front of the right businesses and then making sure that you can sell yourself when you go in there. So for me, it's CVs are really important, but I think it also goes down to the where, where we work with our candidates is make sure that they're prepped for the interview. You know, because the chances are if your CV is good and we represent you and we put you into into a business, it, you've got to understand that market. Client expectations on, you know, knowing what we, what they do, how they operate, you know, that's what they want to hear. So it boils down to me, it boils down to a lot of prep that goes on uh, in the background when we're working with candidates. CVs are really important. But that's the first image of, of what they see of somebody. You know, I, I'm a firm believer within my business. I do what's called blind interviewing. I'm really passionate about ED&I. 
I don't see the person when I'm interviewing them. And that's really important to me because I don't want to interview somebody because of who they are. I want to interview them because of what they are to me and, and how they express themselves to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's really important. So, yeah, I think give a good overview of your skill set. Don't go too into too much detail, but really cover the key areas. And I would say as well, alter your CV accordingly to the to the client um, mm. and who you're looking at targeting. As I say, I can talk about it till the cows come home, really. But it's it's more a case of is there anything that you know advice on CVs and stuff like that. It's the kind of bog standard stuff, really. But yeah, I think some I think some some people kind of worry about what their CV looks like, and you know. But there is there is contact out there. There is people like me and my business that kind of help and support those individuals no definitely i think um i think it's useful advice yeah um so yeah i really appreciate it and uh, i think it's been fantastic chatting with you I, I do have one last question for you though yeah go on uh, what's your favorite movie my favorite movie i would have to say it's close but it'd have to be Shawshank redemption i think well, that's a popular choice yeah it's <laughs> It's just it's one of those films that I watched probably I was probably too young at the time to watch it, but it was just kinda yeah, mind blowing. But um but yeah, if if it was to reflect back it probably be that. Um I've not really seen any decent films and re saying that I watched um Top Gun the other day, which I, that was the first time I've sat in a film and been excited to watch it, but then when I reflect back on it now it probably wasn't that great. it was one of those because obviously i'm into planes and trip you know all that type of stuff i was really interested in it but yeah but now it's have to be sure shot redemption i think that's a good choice so uh you know uh thank you very much for your time again it's uh it's been really interesting chatting with you absolutely absolute pleasure thanks very much for inviting me and thank you everyone for listening